If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I uh, love my teammates. You know, um, I appreciate those guys every day for what they do. You know, not selfish that they have, you know, for me. You know, I'm truly blessed to have the teammates, the team that I have. Because they were just trying to, you know, look out for me. So, you know, they take their extra shots. Life feels good, so, you know, just love my teammates. Just happy to play uh, great team football. I'm actually going to do my job. Um, and, you know, we just wanted to play well as an offense. Uh, put some guys together, uh, get in the end zone. And I feel like, you know, all of us at the team and, you know, as an offense, we didn't try to do that. You got it? You know who it is? Was he a Titans player? I'm either going to A.J. Brown or Derrick Henry. Give me Derrick Henry. Good guess. Mm. Good guess. No, it wasn't a guess. It was a skilled observation. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Derrick Henry it was. Derrick Henry 215. Yeah, it didn't feel like as dynamic as 215. Yeah, Maybe because, because it was a sleepy game and nobody, nobody got memed. Yeah. yeah, nobody got memed. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, I guess practicing against the stiff arm, though, I mean, doesn't get you on highlights, but still doesn't stop anybody. Yeah. I mean, they had like eight men in the box the whole game, and they still couldn't stop him from running 215. Listen, I opened the show. I'm sure you heard this. I opened the show with it. There's nothing more that defeats you as a player when you know what the opponent's trying to do, and you can't yeah. stop it. I mean, I saw a Jaguars team that stacked the box the entire game that said, all right, let's stop Derrick Henry, and you couldn't stop him. Yeah, that's, unbelievable. That's demoralizing. He has four of them now, more than uh, Jim Brown, uh, more than LaDainian Tomlinson, more than Barry Sanders, most um, – in NFL history, four 200-yard games. Yeah. <laughs> I did this uh, the other – I, th- I think uh, – let me make sure I got the numbers right. I think it was the first 43 games of his career in the NFL, two 100-yard games. Yeah. In the last 18 games, he's had 13 100-yard-plus games, including a few 200-yarders. Yeah. Just think about that. The, I think people forget about that part of the story on Derek. They were about to give up on him in Tennessee. They were, I think, even trying to trade him. Like, I think he was on the trade There block. was that rumor, I remember. And so he <laughs> didn't do him. a whole lot, and they stuck with him. It, it, I mean, did they get lucky with that? Maybe. Did they bring Tannehill in the offense changed a bit, and, and that's Arthur Smith a little bit? Uh, probably. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of these offenses and how it relates to maybe what the Jaguars could be looking for in a bit. I want to finish up, a, not finish up, but at least talk more about the college stuff right now because I think it's fascinating. You know, the Gators obviously slipped big time. Um and Trask is done. You'd say? Oh no 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 for the Heisman? No 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 no. I I don't think. See Kyle Trask. I didn't think Kyle Trask lost the Heisman Saturday night. Okay. No, I I mean he didn't look great. His numbers still at the end of the day are going to come out strong. Four hundred seventy-four yards, four touchdowns, but the three turnovers, and it didn't look good. And the loss doesn't help him. 
But I don't know if he lost much ground. Mac Jones, I mean, threw no touchdowns, 200 yards, no touchdowns accounted for. And he had to catch up in the touchdown category because, let's let's be honest, it's a stat award a little bit. And Kyle Trask, yeah. if you go back even to the Tennessee game, didn't look great all the time. So people aren't paying attention to that. They, they're not going to just sit there and say, well, he didn't look that good. They're going to look at numbers. Voters are, are lazy in most things. They're going to look <laughs> at numbers. But they are. No, I mean, no, I hear you. But like, and maybe it's a cause effect argument. But like, you get the sense that usually when you win the Heisman Trophy, it's because you're a top five team in the country. It's because you don't lose two games in a season, at least maybe three games in a season. That has something to do with it as well. Yeah. Um. It it does, but it doesn't automatically. And so, yeah, they could lose three again. I believe this game is going to decide the Heisman. Okay. So that my point being, I don't think he lost. If Florida beats Alabama and Kyle Trask throws for four touchdowns and 400 yards, you're going to come in Monday and be like, I think he got it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I probably, yeah. I so probably that's will. why he didn't lose it. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Nobody could lose the Heisman last week. Yeah. You could at least, you could stamp it more if you're Trask. You yeah. could separate yourself. What Trask did not do is separate himself. He starts bringing into the conversation, okay, what if Mac Jones has a heck of a game and and, and really looks better overall? Mm-hmm. Then you got that. What if Devontae Smith has one of his games mm-hmm. and does his thing? So, and then I don't think, I still don't believe a Fields or a Lawrence are even in this thing. I don't even think Zach, Zach Wilson's I mean, actually kind of cooled down, even the tone yeah. of that. Uh, and he was in action the other night, but it was like, eh, okay, nothing crazy. Well, and listen, you don't, you don't have, I mean, it is a stat driven award. I agree with you on that, but they don't have enough games to, to really monitor they that. Don't. So you, you can't, no. It's still Trask, Mac Jones, and if somebody wants to, if they want, if they're a little torn on, all right, are we just getting caught up in numbers? Is Mac Jones not giving us enough numbers? Is Mac Jones does Mac Jones have all these other great players around him? Then Devontae Smith could come into play. Devontae Smith, you could argue, is the best player in the country. See, and I get what you're saying, but the only problem I have with Devontae Smith is the fact that when the season started, he wasn't even the best receiver on the field. I would say Jalen Waddle was. Well, you didn't think he was the best. Well, I mean, and yeah, we didn't we think, didn't he, was think he was the best. But I think what he's done is he's proven he's the best. No, sure. And by I the mean, way, listen, we also the... didn't think Kyle Trask or Mac Jones were going to win the Heisman Trophy. True, true. But like right now, he's the best offensive player probably in the country, a skill position at least in yeah. the country. So I'm not taking that away from him. But I'm saying if Jer- Jalen Waddle was out there, would we even be talking about like probably Smith, like, not to this right extent? Now? But yeah. but see, I think that's more impressive. Yeah. Your other guy goes down. And you now have more attention on you, and look what you've done. And again, they are very talented elsewhere, too. That's fair. But he has actually had more on his plate, and he's delivered. Yeah, I mean, he's made some big-time plays. You talk about Heisman moments now. This guy's had some, like, that awesome catch a couple weeks ago. You know, he had a punt return. He didn't do anything. See, you can tell Nick Saban doesn't care about that Heisman, does he? I mean, (laughs) he he had two catches. It was a very interesting game. This is my view on this, okay? Yeah. And we're going to get whatever storylines we're going to get. And by the way, you get the sense that Dan Mullen cares about the Heisman big time. Oh, I, I firmly believe he cares about it. I, I think I think Mullen is interesting. Mullen gives up 600 yards, and he comes out and says, I was on the offense. Mm-hmm. Well, he's an offensive-minded coach, so I was like, okay, that's fair enough. But stop it, Dan. Stop. Start paying attention to the rest of everything. Correct. Your defense hasn't improved at all. They gave up 600 the first couple of weeks, too, to whoever. Mm-hmm. And now they're still giving up 600 to a freshman quarterback. Fix the defense, Dan. Stop worrying about all these numbers and Heisman trophies and scoring 60 points. And listen, that's you. That's that's part of it, too. Like, that's you got to do it. Yeah. But he's got to lambaste that defense because you know what's going to win him the game Friday, uh, Saturday? Is 
the defense. They're both going to score. But the only way Florida outscores Alabama is that defense starts stepping up and does something. Because yeah. Alabama's defense will step up a little bit. Heck, LSU's defense stepped up. Yep. So you know Alabama's will. So it's an interesting deal. But my, here's what else between the two coaches. Saban plays Mac Jones. Gives it to Najee Harris a bunch. Throws for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith. Now, listen, some people, like, if you looked at it, they dropped like eight guys in that game. And so they took him out of the game a little bit, too, by doing that. And then Mac Jones kind of took what they gave him. And they ran the ball with Harris again. But I kind of looked at it as like, I almost feel like they played, but they weren't exposing them to injury much. Sure. Meanwhile, in, in Gainesville, Kyle Pitts doesn't play, which kind of looked like, is he just resting them? Mm-hmm. And they lost. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking at the view from the outside, and I'm saying, okay, well, it didn't look like Saban really put those guys in spots. To Now, keep in mind, too, Devontae Smith, he had his leg twisted, which was yeah. bad sportsmanship. Yeah. Um, but I think he didn't want to put those guys in that much of a position to get banged up. He, he needs them the rest of the way. Whereas Mullen kind of appeared like he just rested pits. Yeah, we're all good. We'll see you in the championship game. Oh, well, never mind. I mean, so, we'll see you there, but it's really interesting. So anyway, well, one last thought on this. Does Florida get in if they beat Alabama? Absolutely. They now have two losses. Absolutely not. Not? Absolutely not. Really? Alabama's Listen, Alabama's in. Enough said. Alabama is in. I mean, unless Florida comes out and curb stomps the Alabama Crimson Tide, which, by the way, I don't think it's going to ever happen. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no way. So Alabama gets in over Florida yeah. or Alabama gets in over Ohio State. And Florida gets in as well. No, uh, Florida has no chance. Florida Florida has blown their opportunity because they lost to the LSU Tigers at home. The LSU Tigers were not a good team this year. The record indicates that. Their performances indicate that. There is nothing that Florida can do set aside from beating Alabama by 80 where that's going to give them the college football playoff. And I'll, I'll say this right now, and once again, with all due respect to our Florida Gator listeners out there, if Florida – beats Alabama, and let's say they do it pretty decisively. Maybe it's by 20-something. If Florida beats Alabama and they get in the college football playoff and, like, Cincinnati doesn't, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my marbles. Did – see, I disagree. I I think Florida has a very good chance to get in if they win. What's the Mm. beef for me – See, I think Ohio State then has, is in trouble. Well, and, and then, hang on. And, but I think the beef is more Texas A&M. Texas well, A&M beat that. Florida, but has one loss. Yeah. So we're Florida A&M that. sitting over there like, but but couldn't Florida do the same? Florida's like, well, wait a minute, we got a three point loss and a three point loss, and we beat Alabama, but they're going in ahead of us. Listen, I'm just saying you lost to LSU, and end of story, you lost to a freshman quarterback. You lost to a team that is on the bottom tier of the SEC this year. You're not going to the playoff. And if I'm Texas A&M and that happens, oh, I'm riding, man. Like I'm, I'm protesting. Uh, I'm calling collusion. Uh, I'm saying stop the count, whatever. Like we're, we're doing a lot of things because once again, there is no way that Florida is going to go to the, the college football playoff. You just can't do it when you lose to LSU. You can't do it. Oh, man, I just don't know if I buy it. I, 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 I'm intrigued. I think a lot of other things have to happen. I mean, Ohio State's going to win, but I think Ohio well, State could on. then be in trouble. Time, time out, then. Let's say Northwestern beats Ohio State. Can Northwestern go to the college football playoff then? Northwestern's undefeated? Nope. They lost to Michigan State. Mel Tucker. The, 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 yeah. In terms of identity, the, the most unidentical or uh, whatever. They have no identity. Because sometimes they beat the big guys. Sometimes they lose yeah, big time. Uh, I would say no. Really? 
So then how, does, how can you justify <laughs> that, Brent Martin? That's a fair question. How can you justify that then? Well, you beat Ohio State. So that segues into this next, which I'm not a big fan of this argument, to be honest with you, because let's just let's just say it holds serve. OK, I'm going to give you now a different one. This is what's fun about college football. Is you have all these scenarios. And, you know, is Clemson, Notre Dame a close game? You know, what if Notre Dame beats Clemson? Are they out now because they lost twice to Notre Dame and they have two losses? Sure. Right. Yeah. What if Clemson does beat Notre Dame, but they hammer Notre Dame this time around? Does Notre Dame earn a chance because they beat Clemson earlier in the year? Like these are these are significant questions. And then there's the question of did you play enough games? And it's interesting. The eye test to me says Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country right now. Mm-hmm. If it holds serve, let's just say let's just say Clemson beats Notre Dame, but it's a close game. So I think both those get in. Correct. And then I think Alabama beats Florida. So Alabama gets in. Mm-hmm. And then I say Ohio State. So basically you're saying Ohio State wins. Does Ohio State get in? Or does USC get in or does like Texas A&M get in because they're only losses to Alabama and they played more games. So, see, we have a lot of politicking going on right now with yeah. the conferences. ACC and SEC are like, well, that's your fault. You didn't play a lot of games. You screwed it up. You didn't play. We played more games. I believe in the scenario I just presented, the eye test wins the day for me. Six wins is enough for me. A Big Ten championship is enough for me. And I think Ohio State gets it. Without a doubt, hands down, because right now... Without a doubt, I don't know. Without a doubt, and here's why. I like that you're not sitting on the fence on this. No, I'm I'm very adamant of how I feel about this whole situation right now. You're welcome. Listen, Ohio State can beat Northwestern by a field goal at the end, and Ohio State's still going to the college football playoff. Do you know why? Because the rankings have them at number four right now. And you can get to spoil the rankings if you win a game. So, for instance, Ohio State wins a sloppy game against Northwestern. It'll probably be a, you know, it, it, it'll be a brouhaha. It'll be a Pier 6 brawl. It's not going to be a close game, I don't think. But let's say for the sake of the argument, it's a close game. Ohio State just squeaks by. Well, they're number four right now. There's no way in my eyes that Texas A&M can move up because do you know why? They're done. Yeah, boy. So wh- how are they going to move up? So unless you want to say these rankings don't mean anything during the season, unless you want to say that it's a kangaroo court and it's a Thunderdome, then yeah, then put Ohio State outside the playoff. And I, listen, I don't like Ohio State. I'm a Wisconsin guy. Why would I cheat for Ohio State to go on there? But I'm just saying. Big 10. Well, I'm not, no, I'm not like that. It ain't like SEC country where it's like, well, <laughs> if you're a Vanderbilt fan, yeah, SEC, baby. Yeah, <laughs> they're national championship. Let's go Vanderbilt. Like, no. No, man, don't don't cheer for the teams that beat you. I'm not going to cheer for Ohio State, but I'm just saying from a conscientious observer, I think they deserve to go. Yeah, that's why I like when we talk college football because we don't really have too much of a dog in the fight. Wisconsin's not in the fight enough, enough hey, for you. There, so, there was never a fight for Wisconsin this um, season. I Here's the other thing I, I don't I, – I think this stuff's silly, and I think – the politicking, like Dabo talking about the big the the games. Yeah, I don't. We're talking about Dabo Swinney and Dan Mullen, who kind of did it a little bit. I think it was prior to the game, and probably will do it more. You know, if they win. Yeah, we'll do it a lot more. By the way, if they win, we're talking about those two guys who, by the way, were a little bit tone deaf when it came to COVID nineteen to begin with this year, right? <laughs> Just a smidge. And now Greg Sankey, who I think. While it's admirable you played all your games, is now second-guessing himself because Florida lost. That's the reality. He's second-guessing whether he should have done what ACC did. Because what was the value? What was to gain when the championship game was already set? And 
Okay, everybody wants to play your games. That's fine. I can appreciate that. Mm. There's also money involved. I can appreciate that. But you took the risk. And now you can't go to the, well, they only played six games card. I think any, we knew this season was going to be challenging. Sure, the Big Ten screwed it up a couple of times. That was the presidents and everybody else. Mm. That's not the players' fault, the coaches' fault. They played as much as they could play. And I still believe, like, if Ohio State played Florida, mm-hmm. I'd put my money on Ohio State mm-hmm. right now. I would. And I think Florida's good. But I'd put my money on Ohio State. So well, and keep in that's mind- where the eye test is supposed to come in. That's where yeah. this committee is supposed to be able to say, hey, I think this team's better. I think they've earned it. And and you've got to be a significant difference. You've got to be Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati undefeated to say, well, I don't know. I mean, listen, they have a great season. But I just don't think they can match up with this team. It doesn't make sense that they can match up with this team. Yeah. And and we don't have that case with Ohio State. And we might not, by the way. USC maybe should enter this conversation. They've been as exciting as everyone, mm-hmm. as anyone, excuse me, in the, in, in the college football this year. Yeah. So maybe they should be considered as well. I think Texas A&M is a tough deal, man, when you're in the SEC West and you got to play Alabama. I'm sorry, but that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the show. It's part of the SEC, if you will. And listen, Texas A&M, they're not going to get in. Okay, like the way it sits right now, it's going to be Alabama, regardless what happens against Florida. It's going to more than likely be Notre Dame, I think, regardless what happens against Clemson. Well, they can't, the get, well, I mean, they they can't, they can't get hammered. By 40. Yeah. Um, it's going to be Clemson. I feel like I think Clemson wins the game against Notre Dame. And it's going to be Ohio State. So Florida's on the outside. A&M's on the outside. And that's just the way it is. And listen, despite what you how you feel about the whole 5-0 and right now, you know, and they're going to play their sixth game for the championship game, it's also a way to generate revenue, right? And the college football playoff, they're not stupid. Justin Fields, that's going to sell. Yes. Okay? He's a quarterback. Everyone's talking about him. That sells. And also, I think sometimes you kind of need that bad guy a little bit being, well, listen, these guys have only played six games. They're in the playoff. Like, people are going to be rooting against them, but they're going to be watching them. You're going to watch them to win and watch them to lose. You need that adversity a little bit. You kind of need that villain. And I think Ohio State can be a villain. My uh, my belief always has been in college football. It's a good old boy network that exists <laughs> under the underbelly of it. Yeah. And I think Ohio State is a big player in that. I think the SEC is a big player in that. I think Ohio State's a big player in that, and has been. And if you look at some of the things that have happened where Ohio State got in, remember the one year when they were on the outside looking in, everybody's like, well, I can't. And then they won the national title, remember, early on. Yeah. Well, those, oh, I think Ohio State benefits from some of that. I think the real debate should be and could be USC and Ohio State. How do they look in these games? Mm-hmm. Because I know the Pac-12 is down, but come on, the Big Ten shook out to not be much anyway. Yeah. At the end, Penn State was nothing, right? Michigan was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana was your best, next best team. Yeah. Listen, if, if I'm the commissioner right now, it's the commissioner I kind of established. I mean, it's like a whole network thing. That well, established. the college football playoff committee, yeah. So if I'm the committee, right, and, and all the championship games play out, and they announce it on Monday or Tuesday, it's going to be a big thing. I understand that. Is it Monday they would do that or Tuesday? Uh, Would they do... That's a good call. They've been doing it on Tuesday, but they usually do it on the Sunday after the final game. Yeah, so okay. I think this one will come out Maybe on Sunday. Sunday. Okay, so if I'm that guy, and Sunday I'm getting ready to go to the podium and say, all right, these teams are going to play off. You know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to have a giant, check this out. <laughs> like I'm a commitment? Have, uh, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, no, but here's the thing. I'm going to have a giant like whiteboard that's going to be covered up, all right? And I'm going to come out and say, listen, guys. It's been a rough season this year for, for college football, for all sports in general. You know, with COVID-19, we thought we wouldn't be here right now, but we're here. And we understand that, you know, 2020, it's been a tough time for everybody in terms of their jobs, in terms of sickness. And this is our gift to you guys. 
and I slowly start to pull back that curtain. Bro. Oh, 18 and, playoffs. And, oh, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, they're like, they're like you know, the whole bulls, it starts playing a little bit. All of a sudden, smoke machine, the lights, everything like that. You pull back the curtain, eight teams, man. And, and I'm going to say, RIP Kobe Bryant, and, I'm, and I mic drop, and I'm out. Prefer that eight. Say, hey, 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 Black Mamba, we miss you. Mic drop, eight teams, boom. There's Cincinnati. There's Iowa State. Maybe Florida gets in. A&M, let's go. How cool would that be? That would be great. How awesome would that be? A good, I mean, a good old boy network of college football ain't that creative. I, I know, man. But, like, listen, when we celebrated Coastal Carolina and that BYU game, the only time we've ever celebrated BYU and Coastal Carolina and anything. <laughs> was because oh, they, they did win the World it. Series, okay? Uh, that's a good call. That's a good call, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a good call. But, like, we celebrated that. Imagine if you had the eight-team playoff out of nowhere. That'd man. That would be awesome. What a oh. Christmas present that I would know, be. I know, right? Hey, we have Seth hanging on. Uh, let's get to Seth. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Uh, talk a little college football. Yeah, I was actually just, you guys ended up hitting a lot of my points. But the thing I was also going to say, kind of touching on the playoff selection, is just that, you know, with the matchups that you would have anyways, I think just the general consensus in terms of what's going to draw the most or highest ratings would not be, you know, a rematch of, a potential rematch at least, of Alabama and Texas A&M. They already lost by 28. And then you're already likely going to see Clemson and Notre Dame both get in. I doubt they see them, you know, two and three. So my, I guess part of my take or what I wanted to say is, one, I just think to Austin's point, Texas A&M, there's no way they get in, especially with such a you know glaringly bad loss to Alabama. But, two, I think even if Ohio State wins, they're, um, they're not going to just get in. They're going to be at least a three seed because they're not going to match up Clemson and Notre Dame after they just played each other right away. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And they'll probably leapfrog whoever because one of those teams will have lost and sitting in the four hole. So really good point. It Seth. almost works out so perfectly. You know, it's interesting. It usually does work out. I think people are going to have some beefs. Now listen, Florida's probably going to lose. So then they'll have three losses. So they're not in it, whatever. Yeah. But Texas A&M has a beef. USC will have a beef against Ohio State. They don't have a beef against anybody else, but they'll have a beef against Ohio State. Yeah. They have been actually more impressive, I think, than Ohio State. Ooh. They're more entertaining, let's say that. Well, yeah, there's been, a, there's been a couple nail-biters, though, with USC. Yeah, but they like come every back. Every single game's I mean, a nail-biter. But, but listen, I mean, like, Ohio State and so many of these teams, like, this is what I said about, yeah, you can say you played the all-SEC schedule, but there were three games on your schedule that were probably competitive. Yeah. And so... I think that's what shows me, like, the moxie of a team. Like, I learn about a team that comes back and wins and finds ways to win. I don't know the moxie of Ohio State. They're good, and they keep rolling over people they play. That's it. I'm I'm just saying, man, give me that eight. I want that eight playoff team, Brad. I do. And listen, I want Florida out. I want Coastal Carolina in. And let's see what Coastal Carolina's got. (laughs) You guys want to be like the big boys? You want to want the big dogs? Play Alabama and see what happens. You're hating on Florida. We'll, we'll, we'll two talk. right now. Does Florida have a chance? We'll talk about it later on in the week. Uh, Florida and Alabama in the SEC championship game on Saturday. Talk a little luster off this game, but also in a weird way adds more intrigue, I think. Uh, so, hey, this just in from the SEC. Vanderbilt, Georgia canceled this week, so their seasons are over. Uh, Vanderbilt does not have a enough uh, scholarship players to meet the minimum requirements. They will not play. Georgia finishes on a high note. Why didn't you play JT Daniels earlier? (laughs) He must must not have been healthy, but golly. Looking at 2021 now, Georgia's got a quarterback again. At least they have that if he comes back, which everybody assumes he will. All right. Back to Urban Meyer. Back to the Jags. And what kind of offense should the Jags be in 2021? I got a little poll question out there. And where do they fit? That's the question next on ESPN 690. 
Brent Martineau. I, play, I finished second, right? I lost in the championship yeah. to you. Austin Lane. I, I, hey, you know what? You didn't win, okay? I, That's all that matters. I didn't win. Don't, don't worry about what you did last year. You no, didn't win. I okay? didn't win, and yeah. I auto-drafted. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody, here on a Monday. Been a busy Monday. Gordon Mitchell, the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars again. Uh, we did have an update on Keontae Johnson where he was responding to simple commands. Uh, initially, a report uh, from his grandfather in the USA Today that he was in a medically induced coma. Now the Gators have since said that he has been transported to Gainesville and is um, responding to simple commands So and undergoing further tests. So still, that's, that's the most positive thing we have seen yet. Uh, on Keontae Johnson. So that is some good news. Mackenzie Milton is a Florida State Seminole. Uh, he will enroll in January. We'll get more into that later in the week. That's an interesting one for Mike Norvell. Interesting for Milton. It's a fascinating story to follow. Could it help turn around Florida State football? Then there's the rumors about Urban Meyer. Well, not really rumors. A report from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated saying there could be some interest there from the Jacksonville Jaguars when everything shakes out at the end of the year. We've talked a lot about it earlier in the show. Do you get excited about it? Uh, is that something that'd be interesting? Uh, just to kind of refresh that, where do you stand on the excitement factor uh, once again? Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Ryan's a very interesting, very – like. Listen, it's exciting. It's fresh. It's new. I think um, anytime you pull a guy from college and put him in the NFL, you're going to have uh, those types of reactions, let's just say. Um, I wouldn't mind it, right? Because the guy's had success wherever he's gone. And I think that if you look at his resume, you look at his track record, it's not perfect. It comes with a little baggage here or there, but let's be honest, a lot of coaches bring baggage, it seems like, to the table. But overall, it's the biggest question. And it's that, can Urban Meyer adapt to the NFL style of that locker room? And I don't have an honest answer for you. I wish I did, but I don't know. Because I don't know the guy personally. All I know is what I see on the sidelines. And I think that when you see a college coach like that lay into his players, that works in college. Does not really work in the NFL. Right? I play with a guy by the name of Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz um, in Detroit. He had a little bit of a short temper every once in a while. And... I saw the consequences of that, let's just say. I'm not going to share any stories, but I've seen the consequences of that. And I know especially now, and let's keep in mind, I've been out of the game for, man, almost six years. Yeah, six, seven years now going on. Um, and I know how much it's changed already. And I think now you talk about the modern era NFL athlete, the guy that's maybe a little hypersensitive, hyper aware, asks why to everything. You got to keep in mind, do you bring an old school type of yeller guy in there? To counterbalance that, I'm not sure if you can do that. Yeah, it's interesting. Here's the thing. I, I get excited when you say Urban Meyer. I get excited uh, about the possibility you pair him up with Justin Fields. I get excited the fact that I know this is a place that has not had a winning culture. It mm -hmm. just hasn't. And that guy knows how to win. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time envisioning Urban Meyer not being successful. And I actually relate to him in my own mind, and maybe I'm making this up, that I think he could work like Pete Carroll has worked uh, with Seattle. I think he, I think differently. It's not about yelling at players or handling NFL players. I think actually he knows how to handle stars. He did it at Ohio State. He did it at Florida. He made that work. Uh, there are questions about some of those star players, but he made that work. He insulated them, put them in a position to be successful and had to deal with a bunch of different characters now. A bunch. <laughs> the landscape of that was wide. Yeah. And so you get that in the NFL. I said earlier in the show, I said, Hey, I think if, 
Urban Meyer is coaching Jalen Ramsey the last couple of years. I think Jalen Ramsey's still here. That's my point. Like, I think he knows how to, I don't know if appease is the right word, nurture is the right word. I know, I think he knows how to deal with those personalities. And that's something that this place hasn't been able to do very often. I also think it's set up. Here's what Urban Meyer said. Uh, not yet, Kuz, on that front. Hold on a minute. But he said this on Colin Cowherd. This was back on December 10th when asked about returning to coaching. Mm -hmm. Said, to say I don't think about it, it's every day. It would have to be the perfect situation. Goes on to say, I think I'm done, but I would never say I'm never done. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how good of a situation is this for a guy looking to get back in? And maybe how good of a situation is this for a guy who's trying to go from college to the NFL if he's interested? I think with the money, with the draft picks, with the power that you could have, with the trust that people would give you yeah. in the program like Shad Khan, I think, I think it's a pretty darn good situation to walk into for, as a football personnel standpoint. I understand people will laugh at that if I say how good of how perfect is Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. I get it, but if you're looking at it from a a job situation and the way you're set up to succeed, again, I'll say it: the people coming in here in Jacksonville, it's a no excuse job. You have an owner that's patient. You have an owner that will spend on free agency. You have dollars to spend in free agency. You have a quarterback situation that will present itself in the draft that you get to probably pick the next one mm -hmm. uh, as long as they don't win a couple games down the stretch. And then we can debate how good the roster is, which we did. But I do think there are young pieces here, and it's not just barren of, of any talent. I think there are, there are things to work with that you like. So perfect, I don't know. Pretty good? Yeah, I would say so. Let me ask you this, and let me go ahead and play the devil's advocate really quick. He has walked away from the game before, yes. a couple times, right? Um, I think the, it was due to health issues before, and then also was it because he's kind of burnt out, I feel like? or what? Yeah, kind of retired again. I mean, we, the situ I think it's they're both a little There was a health issue first. First with Florida, yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, the Florida fan debates that, yeah. right? Yeah. And then ends up at Ohio State shortly after. And now, yeah. again, he's just 56 years old. No, I hear you. So, well, yeah, look, those issues are real. I mean, how long will he be here is a real question. Well, it's not so much even how, I mean, it's not so much how long will he even be here. What I'm trying to get ahead is the fact that once you walk away the first time, like you have to have your heart set away. I mean, listen, maybe it wasn't his choice, right? Maybe someone told him or his family said, "You got to walk away." He comes back, he walks away again, and it's almost like that does something to you. I feel like when. And, and let's keep on. Like he had, I'm sure he had a great job on tap, obviously, the, the Big Ten Network. He's killing that, all that stuff. But when you walk away and you walk away again, like I don't want to question the dedication. I don't want to question like the, the mindset of what he would bring if he was to come here. But my question to you is, does it raise a little red flag knowing this guy has walked away twice now and he's coming into a new situation? Like I guess, to paraphrase it, would... Would his whole heart be in it? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, well, I'm coughing. I'm not crying. I'm coughing. Would his whole heart? Emotional. I know. Would his whole heart be in it? As I'm gasping for air. Excuse me. Yeah. The I. I don't think Urban Meyer is getting back into it without his heart being into it. I think he has to probably, which he tried to do at Ohio State as well, is kind of 
step off the gas a little bit. It's it's it was a situation where he's almost on the gas too much, you know. And I don't know if he's figured that out. He's a little bit older now. Is he a little bit wiser now? I don't know. Is that just who he is? I don't know. I don't know how to answer those questions. The the way I answer the question is this: Give me Urban Meyer for four years right now, and I'll sign up for it right this second mm-hmm. because I think I'm getting seven or eight wins next year to start turning around. I think I'm getting maybe eight to ten wins the following year, and I think I'm going to make a run the next year because I think the guy wins. And I think I'm going to have a quarterback that, that he's probably comfortable with. And I think he's going to start changing the culture around here. And so if I could sign up for just that for three years and, and you change into a winning culture, I take it. I, I, at this point, I'm taking it. And, and Shotgun has to figure that yeah, out, right? But Give me a winning culture. I can't tell you that he's going to be, I can't tell you if they brought Urban Meyer here that he would be here for seven years. I don't know. I, yeah. That's a hard thing for me to sign up to. I don't think, I don't know if that would be the case. But I do think he's going to win wherever he goes if he comes back, whether that's no, college or the NFL. No, I agree with you there. And, yes, there's a lot of money for free agency. Um, you're going to get your kind of essentially your pick of the litter set aside from Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position in the draft. I get all that stuff. But a lot of pieces still have to fall in place for him to make it work. Okay? Because, like, obviously, Justin Fields, well, he has to be the guy. Right? Obviously, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts take steps back, which I'm not sure if they will. Okay? Like, I think the Indianapolis Colts are a quarterback away from maybe being something special themselves. True. I think the Tennessee Titans right now, they're well coached. Um, you know, a, a little bit of a, an outlier in terms of their defense this year, but for the most part, we kind of, you know, they are who we thought they were. Yeah. So. But they're not uncatchable like Kansas City is or no, something. No, no. Or like, obviously, the Patriots were back in the day. Yeah. They're, they're not that, but they are still competitive in my eyes. All right, uh, I want to play this for you. We played this a few weeks back, and this was Urban Meyer. Well, hey, we're on Urban Meyer today, so why not? Well, you're getting paid by him, so yeah, go and uh, put his name on the universe and, and a couple listen, of times. The one other thing, uh, listen to this. This was from the, the college football show, and he's talking about culture. Mm-hmm. And th- we talked about this in no relation to the, him being with the Jags necessarily, mm-hmm. but just this is what the Jags have to fix. And so I thought this was perfect a few weeks ago. And I still think it's good, whether it's Urban Meyer in Jacksonville or somebody else. Yeah. But listen, this is a guy, again, this is a guy who's won, and yeah. he knows what it takes. And this is an organization that doesn't know what it takes. Yeah. Now, Kuz, real quick, before we play the video, do you have my counter-argument after this? Because I want to remember, you don't? No, this, so this Dang. would be just the audio. Okay, because I want to remember what I said about him after it, because if he comes <laughs> here, I have to answer for that. Okay, yeah. never mind. Play, play it. Think about what you just said. There's not a bad player in the NFL. They're NFL players. Same with the coach. You can't say, well, he's a bad coach. Now, maybe they're not coaching well, or maybe the player's not playing well, but that's where I always say, lift under the hood. Never make excuse. Well, when I was a coach, I would never let one of my coaches say he's a bad player. I'd warn him, say, say that again, you probably have to leave because that's just, you're making excuses. Now, dig deep and find out why. Every time I've had a team struggle, every time it's fallen one of three categories. Number one, there's some trust issue. The players don't trust the coach. The coach don't trust the players or awful when the players don't trust each other. Number two, really think about it. It's called a dysfunctional work environment, Reggie, and that's that. Where the expectations are very high, but we don't work hard. I've been there before, Coach. It's in, and the coach has to be real clear with his team. Say, wait a minute, that's going to lead to frustration, anger, disappointment, because we want to win a championship. i got news, guys. We're not working hard. So put, stop with the yeah. expectations. If you're, you're 
Work ethic must exceed or equate your expectations. That's a good environment. And the last one is real obvious. You got a selfish team, man. You got problems on your team. Football is a unselfish sport. That means you have to do the nasty. That means I'm a running back. I got to go protect my quarterback. Yeah. That you don't always get to carry the ball. Sometimes you have to run down and kick off 22 miles an hour and throw yourself into someone coming 15 miles an hour the other way. That's not fun. Why would you do that? Because you love your team and your teammates. So when you hear mm. LSU, Penn State, Wolverine struggling, stop with the bad players. I, I get sick of hearing that. It's not the players. Mm. I don't think it's coaches. But there's something wrong. Lift the hood, find out one of those three things is usually the reason. I thought that was fascinating. And, and by the way, if you want to just run that through Jacksonville, yeah. uh, just look at the last couple of weeks. You think there's a trust issue? I don't know. How what about you. the quarterback spot? See, What's been going on there? You think there's dysfunctional standard, expectations high, but don't work hard enough? I don't know that part, but I can tell you there was dysfunction if you take that 2017 into 18 team, into 19 team. And then do you have a selfish team? Well, I do think there are some players in that 18, 19 locker. That's what they tried to get rid of here. Yeah. Now, and I think they did a good job of that. I wouldn't call this team a selfish team, but I think some of their problems existed over these last few years because of selfish. Listen, all I'm going to say is, where was this speech back in 2013 when I was getting cut by Dave Caldwell? I'm sitting in his office. Where was that speech then? Because I could have said, Dave, you're not going to cut me. You know why? Let's check underneath the hood a little bit, man. <laughs> Let's see underneath the hood. Let's see why it's not working out. Let's work together. I'm not going anywhere. Certainly not going to go to Kansas City and play in a 3-4 defense obviously. So let's crack the hood open. Let's see what we can do going forward. And I'll see you tomorrow, Dave. Have uh, a good one. That was fun. It was fun, yeah. Urban Meyer talk. I think these are just rumors that will be out and about. I honestly don't think Urban Meyer's coming back to the fold in the NFL. Uh, I, I think he, I think Texas was a bad fit. Like he says, perfect fit. Texas yeah. is not a good fit right now for him. I don't think he wants to go rebuild something necessarily. Um, and then that way, Jacksonville's kind of in that mode too. I mean, can't, I, I think the hesitation will be there, even though everything's in front of you. You're, you're handed a pretty good plate, but yeah. I still think the outside looking in part of that might be a little bit too much. I will say one more thing, though. If you have a guy like Urban Meyer or or somebody like I will at least know who's running things. And, yeah. and that's been a problem in Jacksonville. I'm going to go back to that. I don't other than 17 when I knew Tom Coughlin was trying to win lunch and I didn't even know if Doug Marone was calling plays. <laughs> I knew Tom Coughlin was running this thing. And outside of that, I don't know who the heck's running the thing. Over the years, it's been a very hard figure. How much who's making the decisions? How much is shot involved? How much is Tony Khan involved? If Urban Meyer was here, I'd have no hesitation at who's running the thing because he's coming here to run it. No. So, yeah. Well, and that's I like important. That. No, you, you have to love that. That's definitely important. Um, once again, my only argument is, like, listen, this team right now, they've had problems with communication. They've had problems, you know, I guess just in terms of reciprocating the goal to their players. And it's just been it's un, it's been uneven and it's been a mess. And the only concern I have once again with Urban Meyer is, can he adapt to that NFL lifestyle? Because it's not the same as college. You're dealing with grown men now. You're not dealing with student athletes anymore. So I think you got to change up your style a little bit. Not to say that he can't do that because he definitely can. I'm sure. But I'm just saying it's going to be different. Yeah, probably would be. All right, how about a little give me one thing to end uh, Monday? We've been jam-packed. Hardly even talked a lot of Gardner Minshew. Yeah. We did a little bit. But, I mean, come on. There's three games to go. Gardner Minshew's back as a starting quarterback. That's not my give me one thing. Although I will say this. did you did, Were you struck by this at all? And I can't wait till Wednesday's news conference and his availability. Did you notice that he didn't have a bandana on? 
No. In the post game. I didn't notice that. And so I took note of that. You should. As I'm like, wait a minute now. Interesting. This is a guy that always has a bandana on. Was this his attempt to say, it's not about me? Or was this, I didn't plan on meeting the media today, so I didn't have one. But I, 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 I think he wears latter. a bandana anyway, though. Like I, he always. Uh, I hope it's the latter, man. Because now, what, now we got company man Gardner Minshew. What happens this Sunday if he shaves his mustache off and cuts his hair? I'm out. I'm just telling you, it I'm crossed out. my mind. It, it just crossed my mind because I feel like Gardner's the guy that like he had slick back here and hair instead, and I think he's the guy that has puts the bandana on even when he's walking to the grocery store. Listen, despite what you think about Gardner Minshew in terms of the, terms of the numbers, obviously what you saw this year won't be the starter going forward more than likely. The one thing that made him at least a decent quarterback that gave people hope was the fact that he was always himself. And if you're telling me now, Brent. This guy's going to sell out and go the company route. I'm going to cry, man. It's going to make me sad. And I actually will cry then. I'm not over here, Urban Meyer. Uh, give me one thing. What you got? Was this in the email today, by the way? Don't, no. But I like to do it on Monday. I appreciate it. Um, well, I could say Kyle Murray and Daniel Jones. But you know what? Let's go ahead and set that to the side. That's tomorrow. Let's put that in the back burner. We're going to let it simmer a little bit, right? Yeah. We're going to let it stew a little bit. I forgot about that. Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll remind you tomorrow. I'm not coming in tomorrow then, right? <laughs> But no, my one thing is going to be Sarah Fuller. Um, kicks two extra points. Yeah, I liked it. And, and listen, I, I loved it. And I actually watched the game live once again. Had it on my cell phone. I was, I was in Tallahassee for some fights, but watched it on my cell phone. And there's always going to be that other narrative, right, where it's a ploy, um, it's a whatever, a marketing thing, or it's just an attention get, whatever. You know, and people want to say, well, they had another kicker, kick, you know, do the kickoffs. Why wouldn't he do the extra points? Listen. This happens all the time in football, where one kid's gonna kick the the, the the you know the kickoff, and one other dude's gonna kick the the field goal or the extra points or whatever the case may be. I don't ask those questions because we never ask those questions when it's two male players doing it. But now we have to ask the question because there's a female out there. Why ask the question, man? Just enjoy it. Like you're watching history. Like I I don't understand when you can take a, such a great moment of Sarah Fuller and you question the intentions, you, you question what it's all about, like, just be in the moment and be happy. And if you have daughters, show your daughters that video. That's what it's supposed to be all about. Don't say it's all a ploy, it's all marketing. Like, who cares, man? Just be happy because this girl made history. And by the way, props to her because the first extra point that she made, I didn't see the second one, but the first one, calm, cool, collected. She acted like she was, she's been there before, and guess what? She hasn't been there before. No. Nope. No girl has. I like that part no, of it, too. No female has been there before, and she acted like she was. So props to Sarah Fuller, man. Um, hats off to you. I think that was a bigger moment of the two. I know she got in for the kickoff, and I know that was the original like yeah. history-making play, but I like that she got the extra point. I'm a little disappointed you didn't go with this with the gimme one thing. Give me with but that. how about Edgar Berlanga? 16 knockouts oh, in a row no, in the first dude. round. Have you seen this guy fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I watched yeah. that fight. Well, yeah, I, yeah. And, so there, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you, I'm just saying, that guy can punch, man. I mean, the, you can, like, feel it from your couch. No, it's insane. Like, this guy, it's like, you're like Jack's Beach Bars. And it's literally, like, all you got <laughs> in one punch. No, that's what he brings to the table. There's a group of people that think that it's all an act. 
that it's all a show because his, his opponents, not big maybe name. not the big names yet. But the, the big question with this guy, and we're going to tune in to watch him, the big question is, can he last more than one round? Yeah, I don't, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But That's I'm telling you, you, can, you could hear, when he hit, I don't know if it's just the mics that ESPN had. Oh, no. he. I mean, yeah. it was a lot of power in that punch. Yeah. I mean, you could feel it. Yeah, it, yeah. it was wild to sit there and watch it. You didn't have to watch for long. No. <laughs> guy's never gone out hey, of the first round. He's not trying to get paid by the hour, Brent. Simple as that. Hey, uh, check out our uh, Dream 18 card on ESPN690.com and... We have Jags Report Live coming up tonight. Live, local, loud next on ESPN 690. We'll talk about which offense the Jags should resemble tomorrow instead of the QB Report card. Have a good night. Uh, we'll see. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.